This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. My name is Judy Cho, and for those of you that don't know me, I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I work with clients to get to root cause healing, and oftentimes that requires gut healing on a meat based elimination diet. Okay, so this is number two of community QAs. So I no longer really look at direct messages and private messages. And so the way that I'm trying to give back to the community and still answer some of your questions is either having lives. Or doing these community QAs. So oftentimes on Instagram, on my stories, I'll have a little call out box and that's where you can submit some of your questions. I may open it up to just have like a forum that I can just collect these questions to. So that's TBD, but for now, here are some questions for this community QA. Okay, question one Does healing time determine how long to take digestive enzymes? So I always say go by your symptoms.、Um, The thing about gut health is that it can be the upper GI, it could be the lower GI, it could be small or large intestine, it could be bile or gallbladder issues, the liver. So, all of these things have different enzymes, different outputs.、Um, it's all of the gut section of carnivore cure. So, it's tricky. Like, I don't know how you started digestive enzymes. Now, let's say you've been taking it and that is the reason you need it. Um, I would focus on your symptoms. So, if you notice that your symptoms are the same and you've been taking the same amount, same dose, same time, like three months in, I think it's time to kind of try different digestive enzymes or maybe increase the amount and see what is helping. I always suggest betaine HCL or like hydrozyme or betaine plus HP. I'll put all of that in the show notes. And that will also help you to determine. You know, that you have enough stomach acid, and then the digestive enzymes will support the process of digestion. So, those two go really well hand in hand. And then, as you are feeling better, that's when you kind of know that you have this steady state baseline. And then you can consider okay, maybe I need less digestive enzymes. And so, I would actually be done with the digestive enzymes before the betaine HCL. Now, everyone can't use betaine HCL, so make sure that you know your situation before just. Taking them.、Um, if you're on like blood thinners, for example, it can actually erode the gut even more. So that's when like 
but tinnitus is not ideal. This is why working with the practitioner and them know them knowing your medications is super important. Okay, so if you start feeling better, then you would start titrating down very slowly. So I recommend maybe like removing if you're taking two digestive enzymes, for example, removing one once a week and then see how you feel. As long as your symptoms are the same, then it's a sign that maybe you're ready to no longer use digestive enzymes. I do remember getting a question once that if I use digestive enzymes long term, does that make my body not create its own? And no, that is not true. Okay. So I hope that answers your question. Okay, here's a question of, I'd like to know if long-term carnivore diet is at risk of iron overload. Um, So I know that there's a community of dieters that believe that we need excess copper, that we are not getting it for our hormones, that we should be consuming a lot of sugar, and that also we may be iron overloading and therefore we should be donating blood. I'm recording this before the vitamin A video comes out, the second one, but, but I know that video will come out first. So watch that video and then you will realize that vitamin or iron overload is actually because of some other reason, it's not the root cause. And honestly, most of my hair mineral test results show actually a low amount of iron. So I am not a proponent of donating blood too often. If your ferritin is high, that may be a reason why you want to donate blood, but maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. But um, I know there are recommendations to donate it so much, but I mean, yesteryears, no one was donating blood. So I think our body can release toxins on their own. We don't have to purify our blood on ourselves. So just something to consider. Um, I don't think iron overload is a concern. Uh, Bad breath as a carnivore, what am I doing wrong? So it might, depends on where you are in your journey. In the beginning, ketones make your breath smell crappy. (laughs) Um, So that's one. So I used to just drink a lot of water. I even bought like mint, um, like mint tapes for your tongue. And I just was like, forget it. I don't really care. And I honestly even asked my husband once, I was like, does my breath smell worse? And um, he doesn't notice it. I think one thing is that as we're healing, our sense of smell becomes more sensitive or more alert. And so I think we are more aware of our breath than other people. Now, if you feel it, you can always do like a, there's like coconut pulling where you can kind of clean the bacteria in your mouth. You can maybe drink some lemon in your water. I know that's not carnivore, but it's okay. Um, And that's like a, it will be a good stimulant for vitamin C in the morning. So I would try that. Um, but if you're eating a lot of dairy, dairy can actually make your breath smell pretty bad. So just, um, I would try if you are eating a lot of dairy, remove dairy for a few days and see if it helps lots of water. That'll, that'll do you good. We are all different. So is there a best method for experimentation? And so my answer with that is yes. Um, with supplements, I'm not a fan of just blindly supplementing. That's why I always recommend my symptom burden. Um, in my symptom burden, I can see where your kind of root cause supports are. And that's where um, we use the most like kind of safer general supplements. And that's how we can try healing. And then if that doesn't work, then we would have to do more like serious stool tests and things like that. Um, But in terms of macros, I have several videos that you can watch, I'll link to them again. And that will kind of guide you with at least a general recommendation of your macros. Now, a lot of people don't like eating 80% fat in terms of total calories, because whether it's like, their bile can't handle it, or they have loose stools, um, or they feel really nauseous. So all of these things will then affect you. But with my clients, I always go by their symptoms. So if you are eating 70% or even 65 and you're sleeping through the night, your energy is good, then I'm not going to push the hormones, right? Or the fat 
for the hormones. Um, or if you have your period and you're eating 65% fat, like if everything is running smoothly, why would I recommend eating more fat, right? So these are the things that use your symptoms, use your body and how it's telling you it's responding to these macros and foods. And that's how you'll know your answer with if it's working or not. Now, some people do need supplementation just because maybe they don't have enough stomach acid because of gut imbalances, antibiotics, and that type of stuff. But again, that's even that is still very bio-individual. I'm new to carnivore two weeks. My weight loss has stalled. Am I taking too many calories or is this common? So I think of carnivore as a long-term journey. Um, Don't focus on just one to two weeks. Water weight can change. Hormones will change. Um, Your hormones will absolutely change while you're changing your diet. I mean, if you were using any bit of carbs, the macro exchange in the body just differs. And so your body is going to have to process nutrients and the way it feels the body differently. So I would say, think of this like at least a hundred day trial. Um, again, watch the video on macros. So make sure you're eating sufficiently. And then as you are healing, so your symptoms are dissipating, but you notice that your weight has stalled or you've even gained a little bit of weight that's when maybe six months in or three or four months in, and you're kind of dialed into the diet wise, but you're just not losing the weight, but you've are healing. That's when you can maybe try some intermittent fasting, extended fasting. You could do days of like protein sparing modified fast. I will put links to podcasts that Laura and I have talked about these things, but you can try these different levers. But the first and foremost important thing is to feel your body, get acclimated to this diet before you try any of that. And so yes, two weeks is way too early. Okay, what is a carnivore LDL range? Um, I talked about this in the very first Q&A, so I will link to that. And I even showed Paul Saladino's graphic. So take a look at that kind of LDL, HDL range. Um, It's hard to say with LDL. I think now if your LDL is skyrocketing, um, I don't think that it's, oh, that's not concerning. Um, I actually do think it is a little bit. It may be if you're consuming too much vitamin A. Um, obviously you want your HDL to be as high with the LDL, but it's like how much of the LDL can it be too high that it becomes a concern, possible vitamin A um, excess. And then you want your triglycerides under a hundred, but check out the video. It goes into much more detail. The body makes cholesterol. If we don't eat it as with glucose, shouldn't we eat some then I just did an interview with Dr. Annette Bosworth or Dr. Boz. She explains this so well. She talks about carb cycling and how, There are studies done with people that don't eat any carbs and actually their muscle grows more than people that carb cycle. She also talks about fasting and muscle growth. So I highly recommend watching it. We talk about carbs and hormones and all of that stuff. So it may challenge some of the dogma that's kind of going out there about we need carbs. Um, How to supplement boron and why do doctors think that less than one milligram of iodine is enough? So I think iodine is one of those um, minerals that have really been misunderstood in the communities. I think that most of my clients do better on iodine, not everyone, but most. And so there are just strong correlations with people that are deficient in iodine that get breast cancer or ovarian cancer and other thyroid cancers. Uh, the most basic one for me is the fact that T4 to get converted to T3, it's the raw materials our body needs. It's amino acids from proteins, from our meats, and then iodine. So the way that T4 converts to T3 is by cleaving off the iodine. So then you have to wonder, 
Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Is our thyroid health, well, one, affected by vitamin A, but also is it affected by our lack of iodine? It's just something to consider. Now with the iodine supplementation, I say take it really slow. So um, like 12 and a half milligrams is kind of the recommended baseline of iodine. Now that's like six to seven drops of the 2% Lugol's iodine. Now um, I have a free guide that I will also put in the notes, but um, I recommend my clients just starting with one, make sure to do some sole water. So you have the salt water flush to help reduce the bromide and fluoride in your body. Um, but, and then also get some selenium in. Um, not everyone needs selenium. It really depends on your area. But I think even if you took like a hundred milligrams or is it micrograms of selenium, again, it's in the, um, in the PDF I will share too. So don't quote me on the actual supplement counts because I'm forgetting if I think it's micrograms for selenium, but um, I think the a PDF says 200, but that doesn't consider you eating um, selenium in your meat. So I suggest maybe just 100 or 99 micrograms is I think the normal dosage. Um, and then from there, it's like start with one and then you can increase every week as long as you feel okay. Now there are detox symptoms of bromide. And again, it's in that guide. In terms of boron, I have not had anyone supplement boron yet. There are so many different minerals that balance each other. I have a mineral balancing video. So you want to take a look at that. But the first four are the most important. They're the first level minerals. And so before really supplementing a ton of the ones on the right side of the hair mineral, you really want to see if you can balance calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium. And then once you balance that, the other minerals should honestly better balance out. So I don't like supplementing random minerals when we're not entirely sure. Um, I know some people recommend it for bone health. Some people recommend it for something else, but I'm not familiar with this enough to say because I just have never recommended supplementation with any of my clients with boron. Okay, trying to conceive. Any tips for increasing egg health? Um, so not sure if you and your husband, boyfriend, fiance got um, tested, but I would recommend looking into the CNY fertility clinic. So William Kiltz has a program. I think it's called like the BEBI program, but it's to help people conceive. Um, I know that one way to conceive is honestly to reduce your vitamin A. Um, there is a study that I showed with Dr. Garrett Smith where um, women that um, take vitamin A, actually, there's higher risks of, you know, birth defects or just um, not being able to be fertile. And then it also impacts your, your zinc levels. And so that's one thing, interestingly, that William Kiltz will incorporate is some zinc. So um, I'd look into them more. It's not my specialty, so I don't know, but a meat-based diet should be super helpful. But I would reduce some of your vitamin A while you're conceiving. If we're trying to eat like our ancestors, should we eat the fat that is found in food without adding? So this will, again, affect your hormones and stuff. So it really depends. If you are just like buying a New York strip and you feel fine, you're not waking up in the middle of the night, your hormones are regulated, you have your cycle normally, and you're 
feeling good, then yeah, sure. Why not? Why do you need to add fat, right? Like why change anything that's not broken? Um, I would watch the video I did with Dr. Garrett Smith. We show some ancestral eating and I think we sometimes don't know for sure how we ate back then. And so we don't know for sure that they didn't eat a ton of the fat. I mean, there's cultures, they say people eat a lot of the whale blubber and stuff like that. So who knows about the ancestral part, but what I will say is if you're feeling fine without adding a ton of fat, then don't add it. But if you aren't, it's a lever you can pull. Should anyone not do animal-based? No. So I would say that when any illness is in the body, especially if our digestive process is not healthy, the easiest way to get the uh, bioavailable or most readily available for our bodies to absorb is from meats. Now, even if you're sick, you may not even absorb a lot of the minerals and nutrients from meats, but it's the best bet compared to any plant-based foods that you have to digest um, and convert into other nutrients that are more bioavailable. The examples are with A, vitamin A, vitamin K2, um, non-heme iron to heme iron, Um, And so there's a lot. So that's one. So now does everyone eat to eat only meat? No. Um, I think that if you are healthier, then you can always include others for variety. Is it for nutrients, for nutrition? No. But is it for variety, for real life, for being able to eat outside or go travel and try certain foods from that particular country? Yes, that way would be ideal if you can eat other foods and see if you can tolerate it. But um, I don't think there's anyone that cannot do a meat-based diet. Now, there have been some people that send me their like genetic, I guess the APOE gene. Um, there's other genes that show that show that uh, they may not tolerate saturated fats as much. And so their markers kind of go up and then they're just, you know, not able to tolerate it. I don't know how conclusive that is because I just don't look into that much detail. But if someone shares with me that their cholesterol markers are going up because they have that gene and their saturated fats are like heavy, then we'll try different ones. So I'm not opposed to eating higher quality olive oils. And since there's been a lot of conversations about olive oil being mixed with crappy oils or seed oils, um, there are lots of studies done where they actually prove that these specific Um, olive oils aren't cut with other seed oils. So there are some that are ideal. Um, I'll link to one that I can think of off the top of my head. And then with avocado oil, we don't know, right? So avocado oil has been shown to be cut by 85%. There are not as many studies done on trying to find real legit ones. So that's why I would stick more to the olive oil. So, but even still, right, you can eat other fats without eating a ton of saturated fats, but I would still eat meat-based. I just think that there's no other reason that I can think of at all that you couldn't do meat-based when it's the most nutrient-dense, bioavailable forms of nutrition than any other type of food in this world. And the last thing I'll say is in every single elimination diet, other than veganism, they remove all different types of plants, whether it's the lectins or it's additives or it's fruits or the saccharides, all of them remove or reduce some of the plants, but none of them reduce the meat. And at the very first day of these elimination diets. So you have to think, why is that? 
Thoughts of breastfeeding while on carnivore and fasting. So I am still nursing my almost five-year-old now. And I, um, you know, my first year with him, I was keto, but it's fine. Um, I didn't fast at all, or I tried not to because obviously he was nursing. And that was my number one priority, especially with the history of uh, fast or uh, nursing my first son. But um, it's totally possible. Just make sure you hydrate. Make sure you drink like bone broth if you can tolerate it um, with minerals and the excess liquid. And then just eat as much as you can. And then after year one, then if you want to fast, I mean, honestly, I think it was year two and a half with Aiden. I did a seven day fast. And then I did it like another time even after that. And I still had breast milk. He still was nursing every day. So that is the power of a nutrient dense diet and um, the amazing wonders of a healthy body. So even with all of that fasting after two years, but again, I was okay with if my milk was depleted, but it wasn't. Um, so yeah, Aiden's still nursing and um, you can totally do it. Just um, just make sure to nourish, hydrate really well. Cellulite on stomach, skin with hypoadrenal fatigue, carnivore since one year. Okay, so if you have cellulite, um, one way possibly can be fasting um, with your hypo... I'm, um, I'm guessing like hypothyroidism, adrenal fatigue, I'd get to root cause. I have several videos that now talk about it. Um, if you are not managing your stress, that can affect it. If you're not eating enough fat, that can affect your adrenals because they balance your stress hormones. Um, if you are eating too much protein for your needs, check your glucose, that can also cause it. So I would look into all these areas and make sure that you're eating enough fat, that you're eating the right macronutrients for you, that you're hydrating well, possibly getting some sole water. And then you can do even some things like I know with cellulite, some people like the like jumping jacks, bouncing, it helps to get the lymphs moving. And uh, cellulite is really just fat that's really close to the skin. So kind of just moving your body like you know, that may help if you do that daily for about five minutes. They say it's a great way to detox as well. But again, you need to hydrate. Okay, would love your tips for a hard gainer. Um, I'm guessing that you don't really gain weight or maybe it's hard for you to gain muscle. I know the the space for asking a question is really hard, but um, that wants to add lean muscle on a carnivore low-carb diet. So I would watch again the um, the interview with Dr. Boz because she talks about how to grow lean body mass um, with a ketogenic diet. And she cites a study from the Ryan Lowry um, Florida labs on kind of muscle and strain training. Okay, a few more. What is advice for a newbie carnivore with regards to fasting? Uh, watch my podcast with Laura on that. It just came out not too long ago. Um, I don't recommend fasting in initially, just try to get acclimated or assimilated to eating this way. My doctor gave me a big lecture for not taking statins. It's in carnivore care. There's a whole section on why statins are so bad for you. But the biggest thing I'll say is 60% of your brain is made of cholesterol. When you take statins, which reduce cholesterol, how do you know it's not getting to your brain or reducing it in the brain? And then on top of that, there are so many correlations with men that take statins and maybe it's women too that they have anger issues, um, depression, suicide. And so, yeah, I would uh, challenge that. It's just not ideal. Um, I would look at HDL with LDL and triglycerides. Okay, bloating and no weight loss on carnivore. If you are bloating and you are truly eating a meat-based diet with no other fibers or plants, uh, no sweeteners and all of that, then I would get a stool test because bloating can sometimes be like SIBO and things like that. And yes, SIBO can still survive with just a meat-based diet. 
Um, and then with weight loss, um, you have to just take a hard look at yourself with kind of where you came from. Are you naturally thin? Is your metabolism slow from years of uh, under eating? And so I will link to my cutting against the grain podcast where we talk about proteins bearing modified fast and reverse dieting. You can take a look at that, but you just have to take a hard look at yourself and your goals. Hi, Judy, I went to donate blood, but my hemoglobin was too low. I'm carnivore. What can I do? So I would look at your dietary just day of eating, like what does that look like? And then also like, why are you donating blood? Was your ferritin high? And if it wasn't, then maybe you don't need to donate blood. I would just kind of get to root cause of like why you're donating and then what is low. Like, I don't know what is low for you and then kind of go from there. But if your ferritin is not high, I wouldn't necessarily donate blood. How long can Soleil water sit for? I haven't changed my salt in months. Yeah, that's totally fine. I've totally done that. So I make a batch every several months and then I'll, I, I don't even use Soleil water every day. I think I'm just so assimilated to eating meat based. Um, sometimes I'll use it if I work out hard or I just feel kind of sluggish or I had a bit of carbs the night before and I could tell there's like a mineral imbalance, then I might use some, but I leave it out. I just cover it with some um, parchment paper and a rubber band uh, in my glass jar. Some people put it in the fridge. You just got to figure out what works for you. And then I've had uh, people ask questions of if there's like salt water or salt on the bottom, do we just add more water to that and then um, shake it up? I'm not sure. I just did that recently and I haven't fully used it. So I don't know for sure. But I think if you want the maximum amount of minerals, it's probably best to use brand new salt. But if you want to be resourceful, you can try it and see if like you feel the same amount um, with the Soleil or the salt that was at the bottom of the Soleil water. High blood pressure advice. I'm doing all that is possible. Sometimes a lack of potassium can cause that, um, but it's oftentimes the root cause is the diet. So look into make sure you're not doing any cheats. Um, If you're eating meat based and adding a little bit of carbs here and there, um, I have some clients that have high blood pressure with that. So they really have to cut everything Um, and then just figure out maybe you need a little bit more higher fat rather than just the protein. Um, You'll have to work with someone I would recommend for that, but maybe get a hair mineral test. um, But I would first look um, specifically into your diet. Okay, um, a few more. Why do you recommend against dairy sources of protein like Greek yogurt? Okay, so dairy in general, all the versions that are in the stores are processed, pasteurized. I will link to my raw milk versus um, uh, pasteurized milk. Even the organic variety is super highly processed. And so if you have sensitivities, if you um, are just not feeling as well, dairy is one of the best things to remove, especially if it's not raw. I, I would say I work with some of the most sickest clients. And of those people, I would say not even half can tolerate dairy, not that they don't want to eat dairy, they just can't tolerate it. It's not that I don't recommend it. I mean, my kids eat shredded cheese and the ones from the store, but um, sometimes if their eczema flares, I'm going to reduce the cheese. So I hope that answers your question. Fasting with HPA axis dysregulation. So if you are truly having like adrenal imbalances and your hormones are really off and you've like done the Dutch test or some hormonal test that shows that, um, then I would dial into the diet first before you ever consider fasting. Um, just from my eating disorder, I think fasting is a great, wonderful tool. It helps to heal a lot of metabolic disease with insulin, um, diabetes and all of that. But I have to be mindful because I struggled with an eating disorder. So given your situation, if it's confirmed that you have this HPA axis dysregulation, I would first focus on 
balancing your diet, uh, making sure you're eating enough, eating well, nourishing yourself, reducing stress to the cortisol um, output. And then you can consider fasting down the road. Your thoughts on using reverse osmosis filter in combination with trace minerals. So definitely you'll need trace minerals if you're using reverse osmosis. I talk about water and dead water in the book. I think it's like um, in Carnivore Cure. It's a small table or something. But if you drink water that's dead, then what happens is it'll pull minerals from your own body. And so that's where reverse osmosis, I think it's taking it way too much to a whole new level of kind of killing all the water. Um, so that's where I think highly recommend the trace minerals, but I think the root cause is not ideally drinking reverse osmosis water or even alkaline water. And that's also in the book. Okay. Um, last question. My cholesterol is out of control. I've been carnivore two years and never had an issue until now waiting on vitamin A results. I think it has something to do with it since I was eating tons of cod liver to up my vitamin D, but I was still vitamin D deficient and skin rashes and 20 pounds up in one month. Thyroid levels are reading normal. Okay. So one, you have to watch the interview with Dr. Garrett Smith. Um, it's a two part video. So vitamin A and vitamin D are antagonists. So typically if you eat too much vitamin A, then that's why you can tolerate more of the sun for vitamin D. But if you take too much, it's just not ideal for the skin and it actually exacerbates skin issues. Um, it could be some of the detoxing. I think Dr. Garrett Smith talks more about that. And yeah, the fact that your vitamin D is low, even if you were eating all that cod liver and being outside, um, our bodies have natural mechanisms to kind of balance and keep our bodies protected. Dr. Garrett Smith talks about how our bodies will kind of make the best choice in the a worst case situation. And so sometimes it has to just store vitamin A or it has to do something, even if it's not the healthiest for the individual, but it's still the best option out there. So I think of the same thing with vitamin D. If your levels are kind of 20s, I know that's so low for most people out there. But if you're above 20 or you're 20 and above, like I really wouldn't supplement vitamin D. I don't really talk about it because I know with the pandemic, everyone was supplementing because of all these um, news outlets saying that it really helps, but it could be a more deeper root cause reason why the vitamin D was, was working, not necessarily um, the vitamin D itself. So it's just something to consider. I think I've said this before, but you know, we supplement the vitamin D hormone form, but then we do blood work on a different type of vitamin D. So the thought is, why are we doing that, right? So we're supplementing in a way that's different than the, the one that we're measuring. And then secondly, vitamin D helps sometimes be lower so that it doesn't make calcium get displaced in other areas of the body. It doesn't want your body to calcify because of excess calcium and get bone spurs and other things like that. And one way your body does that by having low vitamin D. So yes, it's good to have higher um, numbers of vitamin D get in the sun, but if your vitamin D is super low, and I write this in all the um, results of the hair mineral, but it's usually because of other minerals being low and your body is trying not to calcify you from inside. Um, so that's just something to consider with the vitamin D. If your vitamin D is super low, I would get to root cause so that you can help it go up, but the vitamin D supplementation is usually not the answer. I don't talk about this, um, but my clients know that I feel this way just because of the pandemic. I wanted to kind of respect what everyone was saying. Um, but that is my thoughts on the vitamin D. So 
Um, I think it's smart that you got your vitamin A tested. I mean, just from the interviews, it's not going to show unless it's super toxic at this point. If you reduce all your vitamin A and the liver decides that it's going to be able to bring it out, it will be higher in your bloodstream. So that's a good time to get it checked. But the best way you're going to know if the vitamin A was truly the issue is as you reduce liver, maybe even butter and ghee for a little bit, um, maybe even reduce your eggs for just a little bit. Um, and then you feel better, right? You're all of a sudden, you lose some of the weight that you gained. Um, Dr. Garrett Smith talks about, and maybe we talked about it offline, but he does talk about how excess vitamin A can actually make you gain weight because of something with the thyroid. So these are just things to consider. It may not be your case, but at least it's a lever you can pull and that you can figure things out. But one big thing that vitamin A does do in excess is make your LDL skyrocket. And so it's normal to have LDL increase on a carnivore diet, but there should be a cap as to what we think is too much. And I don't know that number. I think as we kind of investigate all of this new research we're finding, maybe we'll figure out a new normal. But I wouldn't say that who cares how high your LDL is, it's not an issue. I actually think it can be and it might be one possibility is vitamin A. All right, guys, I think that is enough questions for now. I hope that this has been helpful and that, you know, I know I can't get to all of your DMs. Part of it is just protecting myself so I don't get inundated with a lot of like messages in negative forms that then makes me not want to kind of serve the communities. Um, and so I hope that this is a way that I can also share information with all of you that may have had similar questions and then never thought to ask. So I hope that I can continue to support you guys in at least a form like this. And um, if you're not part of my newsletter, I highly recommend that. Um, no matter if I take breaks from social media, I always update my blog posts. And in my newsletter, I will share updates, whether it's um, just personal things, whether it's the blog post, whether it's um, some new material I came out with or a powerful interview that I think you should check out. Um, my newsletter is where it will be shared. I share normally just once a week, if that, and I almost do not do any marketing. So, you know, it's really just content based so that I can support you. Um, so if you are not part of the Nutrition with Judy newsletter, I highly recommend that you guys join. All right, guys, you know the drill. Make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys in community Q&A number three. Maybe I'll do uh, like a Q&A through YouTube so that I can capture some of your guys' questions too. And then I can have it out for you guys. All right, take care. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.